the first question that comes to my mind this morning when I read this gospel is, did Jesus really say that? Did he really say that we should hate our father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, even our own lives, so that we can be his disciple? What does that mean? And then he talks about building a tower and going to battle and carrying our cross so that we can be his disciple. Let's try to make sense of this. Holy Spirit, come, right? Holy Spirit, come. Whenever you're reading scripture and you don't quite get it, say a little prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Well, one thing's for sure. Jesus does not want us to hate anybody, okay? Sometimes he would use hyperboles, right? He would exaggerate. It was common among the Jews to do that in order to make a point. So what point is he trying to make here? Well, certainly, we have to remember that many people really didn't know who he was. As he was going around and preaching and teaching and performing miracles, many people hearing him, seeing him for the first time, didn't know who he was. And so he was trying to help people realize that he himself was worthy of their devotion of their love, of their trust, that he was trustworthy, that he, in fact, was the greatest priority in their lives, that he was God. So he had to work them up to that kind of faith. Hence the miracles, hence the very strong speech from time to time. Because even the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, the, the religious leaders, they would sometimes ask him, who do you think you are? Where do you get this authority? You know, who do you think you are? And he would tell them exactly who he was. So the Lord is inviting us. What's, what's our takeaway? What does he want us to get from this today? I think it's a greater invitation to faith, to trust, to surrender in the Lord. And some people might be invited, in a sense, to cling to him with greater faith. Again, with greater surrender, so as to experience him more. So as to experience his goodness and his love, his mercy. So that he can in turn pour that back out into us. And affirm our goodness and truth and beauty that he created. What's he getting at? How is he doing that? Which of you, which of you wishing to construct a tower... Does not, you know, first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there's enough for its completion. Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, this one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Hmm. Or what king marching into battle 
will not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops. But if not, while he's still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Well, what does going into battle and building a tower have to do with possessions? Because it's easy for us to say, well, you know, I really don't have that many possessions. I'm not rich. It's so funny. I've met some very wealthy people in my life, and they all say the same thing. Oh, I'm, I'm really not that rich, Father, you know. It's so funny. No one ever admits that they have, you know, anything. It's really funny. So, the point is, even what little we have, we can be very attached to it. Even in religious life, I've heard the stories, you know, the monks who live in the monastery, who never leave the monastery, who really only have the clothes on their back. They can become attached to their place in the choir, you know, their books, their work, their work within the monastery. Hey, I'm the sacristan, you know, back off, you know, don't touch that, you know. So we can become territorial and possessive of things, of opinions. My own opinion, the opinion of others. I can become very attached to my work. Not that your work is a bad thing. Or my ministry. You know, can I, will I define myself by what I do or by what people think about me? Will I define myself by what I have? Jesus is inviting us today to be defined by him. How about that? Why is that important? Because it's a fundamental question that every human being has. They may not, let's put it this way, they might be afraid to ask it if they're struggling with it, They might be afraid to ask it, because sometimes we're afraid to ask it, that's for sure. But who am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? What's the meaning and the purpose of my life? Jesus is trying to get us to see and to believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the answer to the question that is every human life. And that he's really the only answer that will truly satisfy. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And that's radical. Where does that word come from? The Latin, radix. What does that mean? Root. So we're getting down to the root, to the foundation of who we are and the meaning of life. That's really what the Lord's trying to do here today. So don't, so don't get attached to your tower or your house or your car or your model airplane or whatever it might be. Don't get attached to your battles, to your work. Again, not that those are bad things, but they don't define you. And don't make them the, the center of your life. You can enjoy them, of course. But the Lord is inviting us to intimacy with him, to friendship with him. 
What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful invitation. It's really, in a sense, too good to be true. And that's why so many people don't believe it. Because they look at us and they're like, well, if that were really true, then how come you're like this? Or how come you're like that? Good question. Fair question, right? Well, we all know that nobody's perfect. And we all know that we're works in progress. Amen? It's His grace, it's His power and His presence that we know we need to live life to the full, to have this relationship with God, to be transformed, to become all that we were created to be. Is our world perfect? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Right? You don't have to be awake for more than five minutes probably to realize today's not going to be perfect. (laughs) Right? The world's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But it's becoming perfect. Whoa. I just read that in the catechism yesterday. I'm in this class uh, for spiritual directors. And it, it had us read this quote from the catechism. If you've never read the catechism, by the way, really good thing to do. It's not, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the catechism, okay? You don't have to be a theologian either. But it talked about the fact that God could have created a perfect world, but he didn't. But he created a world that is becoming perfect. And when is it going to be perfected once and for all? At the end of time. At the end of time. But while we are in time, we may may not be on time, but we're in time, right? So while we are in time, we ourselves are becoming perfected with the world by God, through Christ, in the Holy Spirit, So we're works in progress, and that's okay. That's actually how God made it to be. Not just us, but the world. Of course, sin, right? We can't forget. We do have an arch rival. You know, we have an enemy out there, the devil and his minions. Definitely are trying to stir the pot and keep us from becoming all that we were created to be. They're here to distract us. They're here to... Get us depressed and angry and hateful. That's not what life is about. Jesus came to save us from sin, from death. And he came to even give us his very life. He referred to himself as the bridegroom. And we are the bride, which is to say we are here to receive his divine life. That he himself put in us at our baptism. And we're going to get another infusion of grace here in just a few minutes when we receive Holy Communion, the Eucharist, His body, blood, soul, and divinity. Amen? Yeah. It's not just a piece of bread, right? It's His very self. And so He wants you to know that you're good. I was praying about that this morning. God really does want you to know that you are good through and through, fundamentally. Because he made you that way. 
He wants you to know that you're loved, that you're wanted, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That whatever you may do, it's not meaningless when it's done through him and with him and in him. So Lord, please help us to know more and more that you are good and that we are good. Let's make an act of faith together. Repeat after me. We call this an activation. Repeat after me. Jesus, I believe that you want me to know that you are good. Jesus, I believe that you want me to know that I am good and that you have a plan and a purpose for my life to become love, to become all that you created me to be for the glory of God. Amen.